Last week, we had the sunrise service, got had a good crowd. Then we had some delicious foods, Sunday school life groups. And then after that, we had a worship service, and it was a lot of fun, was it not? Fifty days after Easter comes what? Pentecost. And this year it's going to be June the 5th. On Pentecost, we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit. We see this in Acts chapter 1 and Acts chapter 2. And we're going to look at Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 14 this morning. If you'll take your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 1. Actually, the same author wrote Luke. It was Luke the physician. He wrote Luke and Acts. And we start off by hearing him say, The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and teach until the day in which he was taken up, after he through the Holy Spirit had given commandments to the apostles whom he had chosen, to whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them to not depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we look at this portion of Scripture, please teach us what we need to know. And I pray, Lord, that we will not just be hearers, but we will be doers of your word. We're grateful for the inspired word of God. Just pray that you'll bless in a special way. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to look at some priorities and some promises. First of all, the priority of Scripture. Look at verses 1 through 3. Verses 1 through 3, the former account I made, O Theophilus, which means lover of God. Don't know if that was his, his real name or that's what Luke called him because he was talking about people that love God. Of all that Jesus began both to do and teach. And we're talking about Luke. And he had a similar introduction in Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Inasmuch as many have taken in hand to set in order a narrative of those things which have been fulfilled among us, just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word delivered them to us. It seemed good to me also, 
having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write to you an orderly account, most excellent Theophilus, that you may know the certainty of those things in which you were instructed. In other words, Luke, as he wrote both Luke and Acts, was seeking to communicate to Theophilus and other readers exactly what had taken place when Jesus was alive on earth and then after he had been raised from the dead. And that this, is, this is what Scripture is all about, communicating to us God's Word to us. Talking about the Old Testament, talking about the New Testament, 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. It spanned over a thousand years in regard to the, to the writing of it. And in it, of course, we, we learn a whole bunch. And, and I think that as we, as we think about this, we need to recognize what it says in 2 Peter 1.21. It says, For prophecy never came by the will of men, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, when we think about prophecy, when we think about God's Word, it, it was not a matter of somebody thinking something up and writing it down. But instead, the Holy Spirit moved holy men of God, and they recorded what God told them to say. That goes along with 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, familiar portion of Scripture, where it says all, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished to all good works. We know God's word is inspired. We know God's word is profitable. And therefore, we need to make sure that God's word is a priority. Hebrews 4.12 says, The word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword goes on to indicate that it helps us to understand what's going on on the inside and helps us to be able to change. Really what happens is the Holy Spirit uses the Word of God to help us to understand what's going on and to bring change in our life. That's why in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 17, uh, Paul talked about the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So as, as we think about priorities, one of our biggest priorities should be Scripture. Now, one of our problems is this. Many of us bring our Bibles on Sunday, but we take them home, put them on a shelf, or we close our app, and we do not spend time in God's Word ever since then or during the course of the week until the next Sunday. What we need to do is spend time in God's Word on a regular basis. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Desire the pure milk of the Word that you may grow by it. I've had a little bit of experience in regard to babies. Uh, we had six kids, got seven grandkids. Now, I didn't realize that, that uh, what they say now is that you're supposed to feed that baby every two hours when it's first born. Did you all know that? Is that true, that you're supposed to feed them every two hours? I feel for those mothers. I, what I always heard when, when my kids were growing up is they cry, then you go ahead and feed them. But the reality is babies drink a lot of milk. We eat a lot of food, and God's Word is compared to food as well. How many of y'all, on a regular basis, go a week without eating? Anybody here do that? I mean, sometimes y'all fast, I'm sure, for, for a long period of time. But on a regular basis, most of us eat just about every day. Well, maybe even just about three times a day. 
Some, I, I learned from somebody, I forget who it was that said it, somebody on the internet said that if you eat a lot of different meals, it's better for you. If you eat like five or six a day, then it could be advantageous. I don't know if I read the part that you need to cut down on the amount when you eat five or six meals. But the reality is all of us eat on a regular basis, physically speaking. Spiritually speaking, God's Word gives us nutrition. If we do not spend time in God's Word on a regular basis, then we are going to be weak. We're not going to have the strength that we need as we seek to live the Christian life. So we need to, first of all, consider the priority of Scripture. That's exactly what we have in Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. It talks about the commands that Jesus had given uh, during, during the course of, of his um, time that after he had resurrected and before he ascended. Uh, we, of course, know in, in God's word that Jesus said that we need to be uh, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I've commanded you. It's important for us to spend time in God's word. We not only have the priority of Scripture, we also have the promise of the Holy Spirit. Look at verses 4 and 5. Being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to, to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Jesus was telling them to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. He said the Holy Spirit is coming. Now, in the Old Testament, and until Pentecost, the Holy Spirit quite often came upon people and helped them out. But he did not indwell them on an ongoing, regular basis. Once Pentecost came, we who are Christians have the Holy Spirit in us. He dwells within us. And, and he said, you need to wait for the Holy Spirit which is, he didn't say this, but he's, which is coming at Pentecost. He didn't tell them when, but he did tell them to, to wait for the Holy Spirit. And, and we need to recognize the importance of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the promise has been fulfilled. We have the Holy Spirit, and we can be encouraged and excited about that. He said that he had promised them before that the Holy Spirit was coming. John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and, and verses 15 and following says this. If you love me, keep my commandments. That goes along with the priority of Scripture, does it not? And I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. So Jesus here is promising a helper, the Holy Spirit, who is going to come and who is going to dwell with the Christians and will be in the Christians. We also see it in verse number 26, John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Have you ever had a situation where you, you knew that there was a portion of Scripture that referred to a certain situation, but you, you really weren't sure what that Scripture was, but God brought it to your memory. I think that, that the Holy Spirit helped the apostles to be able to write God's Word down, 
and to be able to put down the Gospels and so on. But he also helps us when we need to know what God's Word says. Again, Jesus promised the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16 and verse number 7 says this, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. Now, the apostles did not agree with Jesus. Uh, they, they felt like they needed his physical presence. But he said, it's your advantage that, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. We also see in verses 13 and 14 that it says, However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. So Jesus had promised beforehand, before his death and burial and resurrection, that the Holy Spirit would come. And in verses 4 and 5 of Acts chapter 1, he repeats that promise. Stay in Jerusalem, the Holy Spirit is coming. The promise of the Holy Spirit. So far we've talked about what? The, pri the priority of Scripture. The promise of the Holy Spirit. Now we're moving on to the priority of witnessing. Look at verses 6 through 8. Verses 6 through 8 of Acts chapter 1. Therefore when they had come together they asked him saying, Lord will you at this time restore the kingdom uh, to Israel? Now, they, they, didn't, they thought that Jesus was going to be the reigning Messiah. They didn't understand from Isaiah 53 and other portions of Scripture that he was going to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Now that he has been raised again, they're thinking, okay, it's going to come right away. We're going to have the kingdom right now. But he said to them, verse number 7, It is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. We're going to talk about Jesus' return in just a minute. Do we know when he's coming? No, nobody knows for sure except God the Father. Verse number 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. The priority of witnessing. Of course, we have the Great Commission, which is shown in in all of the Gospels and also Acts chapter 1, Matthew 28, talks about the fact that we need to make disciples by going, by baptizing, by teaching them to observe all things, whatever Jesus has commanded us. Mark chapter 16 and verse number 15 talks about the fact that, that we need to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. And again, in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, says, You shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Well, the Southern Baptists have come up with a system which helps us to accomplish that. In regard to Jerusalem, York Baptist Association. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a group that helps us as churches in this, this area, in York County, to, to really seek to band together and seek to serve God together. We give 3% of our budget to the York Baptist Association. Judea might be the South Carolina Baptist Convention. That would be our whole state. And, of course, we're reaching out to people that are around us as well. And then Samaria might be the North American Mission Board, people that, that are in a similar location, but they have a, a different culture than we have, different race or, or, or different 
uh, perspective or way of looking at things. That would be the North American Mission Board. Then the end of the earth, of course, is the end of the earth. It's the International Mission Board. And, uh, of course, as, as we think about Southern Baptists seeking to, to fulfill the Great Commission, uh, we have a part in it in three different ways. Number one, in regard to giving. We give through the cooperative program. Our church gives 12% of our regular income uh, to the cooperative program. And uh, part of that, of course, goes to the South Carolina Baptist Convention. Part goes to the North American Mission Board. Part goes to the International Mission Board, to the seminaries and, and other entities of that nature. Uh, but, but, of course, not only do we give, we, we also pray. We need to be praying that God will work. We need to be praying for missionaries. And, and we have several of our own that have gone out from our church that, that we are praying for. And then, of course, we need to go as well. We need to go here in this area, but we need to be willing for God to take us and use us, not just in this community, but also all around the state and United States and around the world as he leads and as he directs. Not all of us go overseas, so to speak, but all of us should be going and sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. That's the priority of witnessing. We need to make sure that we are communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. It's interesting that the apostles, the, the Christians in Jerusalem, didn't do that great a job. Uh, they stayed in Jerusalem. And we see in Acts chapter 8, in verse number 1, that Saul was consenting to Stephen's death. That's Acts chapter 7. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So they were in, until this point, they were in Jerusalem, but they were scattered around. Notice verse number 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere doing what? Preaching the word. In other words, they were not obedient to the Great Commission. God brought along some persecution, or God allowed persecution, and as a result, they were scattered, and they started doing a better job of fulfilling the Great Commission. We need to recognize the priority of witnessing. We need to be grateful for the way that God is using Southern Baptists. We need to also recognize that, uh, that we support missions in other ways. We have different organizations that we support. We do missions in the schools. We have a food closet. Uh, WMU, uh, do, they do various things. We, we have Catawba Sports. Uh, there are a lot of different things that we're, we're doing, and we support missionaries. In fact, next week, Rob and Angie Jackson will be with us, and they're not going with the Southern Baptists, but they are going uh, with ABWE. It's another organization uh, that sends out missionaries, and Lord willing, in a month or two, uh, they're going to be headed to Portugal. We need to be doing what we need to be doing because it's God's priority and therefore it should be our priority. The priority of witnessing. So far, uh, we've looked at what? Number one, the priority of Scripture. Now, some of you are remembering and some of you are just reading what's on the, the board. I recognize that. In fact, I might just look up there as well. Number two is the promise of the Holy Spirit. And he has come. Each and every one of us that are Christians have the Holy Spirit. Number three is the priority of 
witnessing. We need to be sharing the gospel that even though we're sinners and we deserve to spend eternity separated from God, Jesus died on the cross and he was buried and rose again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could go to heaven, so that we could have everlasting life and life more abundant. Number four, we have the promise of Jesus' return. Look at verses 9 through 11. Back to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. And when he had spoken these things, while they watched, Jesus was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Figure they were angels. Who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Uh, every once in a while, uh, families will have balloons when they have a graveside service and will let the balloons go. And of course, what we tend to do is we tend to watch those balloons as they go up and up until they're out of sight. Can you imagine the, the disciples watching Jesus as, as he went up and up and up, out of sight? Apparently a cloud uh, he was, was, eventually covered him. But these two angels said, just like he left, he is going to come back as well. The promise of Jesus' return. Matthew chapter 24 is a portion of Scripture that talks about the signs of the time, talks about uh, Jesus' return. Matthew chapter 24, beginning to read at verse number 3. As he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us when will these things be, and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. Does that sound like the news today? All, and the, all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. I, I've read that last century, more uh, Christians were martyred than in the previous 19 centuries before that. Then many will be offended, will betray one another, will hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Because, and because lawlessness will abound, would you say that lawlessness is abounding? No doubt about it. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to the nations. And then the end will come. Now we don't know when Jesus Christ is coming back. I think many of us feel like it's probably going to be soon. I got a feeling there's some in history that thought it was going to be soon as well. I know this. It's sooner than it was yesterday. And Jesus Christ could come back at any time. We don't know the day nor the hour. And the reality is that a year is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years like a day, so really it's only been two days from, from the Lord's perspective. But he could come back at any time. The promise of Jesus' return, 
promised the Holy Spirit, he came at Pentecost. He promised that Jesus would come back. He could come back anytime. Philippians 3, 20-21, our citizenship is in heaven, from which we look for the Savior, who shall change our lowly bodies, that it may be fashioned like his glorious body. We're not citizens here on earth. We're citizens in heaven. We need to look for the return of Jesus Christ. A portion of scripture I use in funerals quite often is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Verses 16 and 17 says, The Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. He's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God. And we can look forward to that. Right after that is 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 1 through 11 that we looked at in Sunday School Life Groups today, talking about the return of Jesus Christ, the promise of Jesus' return. Well, we've gone over four points so far. Number one, the priority of what? Scripture, the promise of the Holy Spirit, the priority of witnessing, the promise of Jesus' return, and then finally, the priority of prayer. Notice what it says in verses 12 through 14 of Acts chapter 1. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, that's where Jesus ascended to heaven, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey, And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Then it lists the 11 disciples because Judas Iscariot was no longer with them. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. You remember the brothers, while he was alive, really didn't believe in Jesus. But after his resurrection, they did. And and they became part of the company, so to speak. And James ended up being the leader in the, the church at Jerusalem. He was the brother of the Lord Jesus Christ. But women and Mary and, and his brothers were there along with the disciples. And what were they doing? They continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. Do we need to do the same thing? I mean, think about it. As we think about our responsibility as Christians. Can we do it by ourselves? No, without him we can do nothing. Do we have questions? Do we have all the answers? Or do we depend on him for the answers? I would say most of us recognize that we don't have all the answers. There are a couple people out there that think they do. But the reality is none of us have all the answers. But we know someone who does. And we need to spend time in prayer and supplication. Uh, Spend time making petition to him and making supplication, asking him to provide, to supply our needs as well as the needs of others. They were in one accord. They were unified. I doubt they agreed on everything, but they had a spirit of unity amongst them, and they prayed. The priority of prayer, should we be praying as individuals? Should we be praying as as a body? corporately, so to speak. We need to be doing both. Pray without ceasing uh, is, is a verse in First Thessalonians chapter 5 that we need to think about. Uh, James chapter 5 talks about the fact that the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We should be spending time in prayer. 
course, we have opportunities to do that. The men, not just the deacons, but the men gather for prayer in the chapel on Sundays at 8 o'clock. Sorry, ladies, you can't come. I know that's not exactly in line with this portion of Scripture because the ladies were there praying too. But it's the men on Sunday mornings at 8 o'clock uh, gather for prayer and a devotion. They'd love to have you come. Uh, we, we also, of course, have the WMU groups that are gathering to prayer to pray. Uh, we have a Wednesday at 12.30 group that meets right here in the sanctuary praying for our country and other things. Uh, we have Bible study and prayer time on Wednesday nights. Uh, we have a prayer uh, chain type thing, an email prayer list that we send out requests uh, for different things that are going on. There are plenty of opportunities to pray. And if you want to be involved in one of those, get in touch with us. We'll give you more information. The thing is that we need to recognize the priority of prayer and the, real, the realization that the reason we need to pray is because without faith we can't please him. And prayer is an expression of our faith. Well, uh, we've gone through five points from Acts chapter 1. Let's just go over them real quickly. Number one, the priority of Scripture. Number two, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Number three, the priority of witnessing. Number four, the promise of Jesus' return. And then number five, the priority of prayer. Now, if you're like me, it's probably a little easier to put it in, in two different sections. Number one, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the promise of Jesus' return. Aren't you grateful for the Holy Spirit? Aren't you grateful that Jesus is coming back? And of course, aren't you glad that he came in the first place? But then, as we think about Jesus Christ coming back, my mind goes to 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 28. Uh, John was a different writer. Luke and John and Mark and Matthew all, all read, read the Gospels. Most people would say Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, they wrote the, the four Gospels. But in, in John, 1 John chapter 2, verse number 28, it says, Now little children, abide in him that when he appears, when he comes back, when he returns, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. We should be focusing on our relationship with Jesus Christ so that when he comes back, we won't be ashamed. We're not going to be doing something we should not be doing. Instead, we're going to be focusing on him and obeying him. Trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. 1 John 3, 2. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, when he comes back, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is called glorification. Justification is when we trust Jesus Christ as Savior. We're justified. Sanctification has to do with the Christian growing, becoming more like Jesus Christ. Glorification, when Jesus Christ comes back, we are going to see him and be like him. We're going to spend eternity in heaven. And when we think about the return of Jesus Christ, it should make us want to abide in Christ and live for him. So, two promises. The promise of the Holy Spirit, who is our helper and who enables us. The promise of Jesus' return, which should motivate us to live for God and to have these three priorities. And what are those priorities? Number one, scripture. Number two, witnessing. And number three, prayer. Does that align with your priorities? 
Are those things very important to you? As you think about what Jesus has done and what he's going to do, as you think about the Holy Spirit coming and the return of Jesus Christ, are you motivated to make your priorities to be the same as what Scripture says? Scripture, witnessing, and prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that you will help us to think through some of these things. We thank you for your fulfilled promises, for the fact that you sent your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, for the fact that you sent the Holy Spirit at Pentecost and that when we as Christians uh, trust Christ as Savior, we're given the Holy Spirit. We thank you for the promise of your return. We look forward to that and we want to abide in Christ. We want to live for you. Lord, help us to do so. Help us to make sure that our priorities include Scripture and witnessing and prayer. For your honor and glory. In Jesus' name, amen.